Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. I guess Barbie and Ken count as a as a power couple still, maybe, perhaps, possibly. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the H2O podcast. My name is Jason Hunt. Where's where where did you go? Oh wait, um, hang on. No, that's not right. Are you there? I got muted on my end. How did you have? Hello, how did you do? I was like, wait a minute, what? If we don't have a technical issue, is it the H2O podcast? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. How a likely so? story. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> All right. So, anyway, yes. Uh, uh, Barbie and Ken in their Star Trek uniforms. Nice little uh, nice little piece there. Um, how you doing, sir? I am doing okay. I'm a little sinusy. The weather here in Kansas City, for the folks who, who are listening who are not in... <clears throat> our area yeah. has gotten very cool and damp. Uh, yeah, lots not of rain snow. Today. It's rain, yeah. and it's mucking with my sinuses. But other yeah. than that, I'm okay. And and uh, uh, Mr. Exner uh, observes that we're not in the studio again this right. uh, this week, and there's a reason for that, and it's all Tim's fault. <laughs> it is. It is all my fault. The the reality of of my job. I'm the training coordinator for the company that I work for. So. Um, we're doing four live trainings this week, and which means I am just juggling a lot of editing and and script edits and slide decks reworkings and all kinds of stuff. Because uh, got to keep stuff fresh, got to keep stuff uh, uh, relevant for the industry. So it's just it's just one of those weeks. Yeah. So today. In our, in our, in, in as is our habit, we decided, we decided what, about uh, an hour and a half, two hours ago, what we were going to talk about. Well, it, but it's timely. I mean, this is, is, we are recording this on Valentine's it's, Day. It's so, Valentine's Day. And, you know, so you've got your two schools of thought. You've got your, you know, uh, uh, Captain and Tennille, love will keep us together. <laughs> right. And then you've got the Jay Giles band, love stinks. So <laughs> wherever you fall on this, you know, uh, don't forget, don't ring. don't forget, Guns and Roses, love hurts. Well, that that, that falls somewhere somewhere depending, somewhere in the middle. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, you just got to figure out, you know, where where you are. I mean, I remember, I remember, you know, being in love. It was a lovely experience. I, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, I would have to get out and be more of a social animal to right. to perhaps experience it again. Um, but you know, that, I'm working on it. <laughs> it. Uh... It does require a little bit of socialization skills. I'll, I'll say that. And, well, and, and and you know the thing is, is that, um, you know, there's there's a whole there's a whole subset of of humanity which finds relationships online, and 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 that's a way to meet people if you're not getting out. And and there are folks who whose entire relationships are online, um, and they they've got. You know whether they're not even in the same country or, or wherever, and and sometimes that can be really healthy, and sometimes not. Um, yeah. A million year, a million years ago, 
uh, my kid um, uh, got into a it was a hundred percent virtual relationship. Mm. You know, they had not met this other person in the real world at all. And my ex-wife and I were like, hmm. And there was an anime convention here in town, uh, Nakakon, years and years ago. Right. We flew the we flew the kid the, the other kid in, and basically gave them the opportunity to spend a weekend together. And they, you know, I stayed at my place, and my ex wife and 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 the kid stayed at at the hotel, and. We had a great first day, except it was really weird because these two, like, my ex-wife and I are still friends. That's why we got divorced, so we could stay friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, like, sitting next to each other in a booth like this. Yeah. You know, we hadn't, we hadn't seen each other in a while. We're, like, you know, bumping into each other. And, you know, we're, we're all very, we're both tactile people. So it was just, like, you know, very chummy. The space in between these two kids uh, was like, you know, because they were just like so awkward with each other. By the, so I show up on the second day at the hotel room, and they're like sitting over there just looking dejected, and and my ex-wife is sitting there looking angry, and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, they've come to the realization they're not a couple, <laughs> <laughs> which any sane person, I mean. <laughs> Because the thing is, is that I mean, they had this, they had this great chemistry online, and that's wonderful. Right. I mean, right. That, that that's fantastic. But they got in the room with each other, and it that chemi- the, chem- the the physical chemistry, the yeah. the the connection in terms of like you know the there's that barrier. Whether it's you, you if you're using video or even if you're using video, um, you and I are old enough to remember when it was like you know. It, aim and you know in, instant messenger right where you right. didn't even see somebody you were just talking to them by text essentially um and so they're just they they, they had this horrible realization that in they had no real world chemistry you know <laughs> and so they had they, they developed a very nice online friendship yeah which because they were then they were young enough and and hopeful enough i guess to translate that into a romantic uh, relationship but yeah. Yeah. Well, I can I I can say that my experience with that sort of thing has resulted in a little bit better success because right. Mrs. Boss right. and I met that way. Um but we didn't have any kind of a virtual relationship. I mean, we met online, but right. we went ahead and and you know, met in person and had a date and and that and I and I got to say if if pandemic house arrest had happened before I'd met her, I probably would not be getting out and, and meeting people and doing any kind of a dating thing at all at this point, because people are crazy out there and you don't, you don't want to deal with crazy people out there. And I would, I would very much keep to myself and, you know, I'd be, I'd be in the love stinks camp at that point. Um, so I'm very fortunate that, that Minnie and I met and got together and got married before all of this insanity happened. So I, you know, I, my, the significant chunk of my relationships were with, with women who were in my sphere already. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
in high school it was you know obviously you're in high school you're 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 trapped in a building with a with a you know hundreds of other kids right you know right. you're going to interact with them um but you know theater department um and college um you know I'd, I'd met my ex-wife uh in in high school at an acting conference muncie mm. indiana the international thespian conference uh, and we clicked right away and we we ended up having a long distance relationship until um, I was in college and she moved down to Kansas uh, to be with me. And um, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, when I was in the book world, relationships there or, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, so there's all these like places where you can be where you're, you know, I was in retail. So there's a lot of human interactions. So you had those opportunities. Yeah. And and, you know, I work from home. So. Um, but one of the things that one of my, my new year's resolutions, which I've actually, I'm actually keeping so far, um, was to be more, to get out in the world and get out and more, be more sociable and, and be more, cause I mean, prior to working from home, I spent those four years as a, as a medical courier, That's pathology your, courier. Driving a lot. And, so you're not interacting with a whole lot of people during the day. Right. And then I'm exhausted by the time I get home. So it's like, that was four years where I basically pulled myself out of so many things, um, not intentionally. So I'm, I'm, I got back on the board of the independent filmmakers coalition of Kansas city. I'm, I'm making myself go out and be, you know, interact with humanity. Uh, and, and so far, it's going well. I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the experience. Um, I'm, I'm also, but, but the thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm 52, and I'm not actively looking for a relationship. That's I mean, when, it, that's it, when it, it's going to smack you in the head. Well, and, and it's, it's completely, if that's, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, if it, if I stumble across one, but that, that'd be, that'd be great. But I'm also not like gotta find a gotta find a girl gotta yeah. find a woman gotta find someone don't want to die alone I'm like, eh. yeah. you know i'm i'm, I'm you know. yeah well let me let me acknowledge that we're not alone let me say hi to everybody that's in the chat over on odyssey bianca fights the zombies what's up we got jr uh dave mindy in the chat and uh, and um can you take a severed organ? Oh, oh, oh. So uh, I guess asking about the uh, medical courier thing. I mean, you could take so, a... Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I I definitely did. Um, I... <laughs> you got to eat sometime, and sometimes it's on the way back to the lab or on the way to the hospital, and you've got... Uh, um, you know, someone's someone's formerly attached, whether internally or externally, part mm-hmm. um, in the car with you. I was always really surprised that I never. I mean, I drove professionally, so I didn't get pulled over by police because um, professional. Um, but um, not to mention, it looks really bad. <laughs> but I was all I was always kind of wanted to, just because it's like, whoa, what's in the truck? Body part. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, this is this is how you get shot. But you yeah. know what I mean. I mean, the, nowadays, the, nowadays you would not do that. No, good lord, no. I mean, no. I'm, I'm, no. But it's it. It was always very interesting, um, and a fascinating job. I mean, I, I I still know folks who are still doing it, and and I I met some amazing people, uh, some you know some some incredible doctors and and, and lab people, but. I'm quite content to not drive professionally anymore. <laughs> if you've ever been, in, if you know, if you're if you're outside Kansas City, you may not be aware 
but Kansas City drivers are crazy. Yeah, and and there's water from the sky right now, which has been known to confuse people um, when it happens. Even though they've experienced it before, they drive as if water is a brand new thing. And and so I'm happy I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So My blood let's... pressure is not anywhere near as high as it could be. Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure your heart is uh, is. Uh, thanking you uh, these days. So, <clears throat> my right. waistline not so much. <laughs> right. Working from yeah. home is not great for. He said, "Gotta remember to work out." That's I will. Important. I will admit that I have sat. I've I've sat in this chair much more than I expected to, and much more than I should. So, I, this so. is another thing that I, I, again, New Year plans, things that I can actually do, and this actually right. got worked right. into my. This got worked into my job plan because we actually have like three professional goals that you can, you know, and, and metrics. Right. And then right. personal goals because they want us to have a exterior life to the company because we work <laughs> from home. It's really easy to always be at the office. Right. So right. it's like, okay, here's how you fight against that. And so I actually, right now, I work from eight or 8.30 to three. And then at three, I try very hard to make that a hard stop. And then I go and I work out in some way. Mm. And then I can come back and finish my day, right? But I have to have that break in the middle of the day. So it's like that forced thing where it's like, you get should, up, leave your computer. Yeah. You should do that that hard break at noon so you can guest host on Life from the Bunker every now and again when I need somebody to cover, uh, right? Well, and uh, weeks like this when I've got four trainings, guess what yeah. time they happen? Right. Okay, so our topic tonight, <laughs> which we're getting to in 15, 15 minutes, that's not bad. We're, we're, we're doing okay. So being Valentine's Day, and given that, that Mr. Harvey and I have been co-hosts and partners on this show for how many years? Now, 10, 10 years, go and a little bit over that. Uh, we thought we'd talk tonight about couples, and not necessarily romantic couples, although we'll get into a few of those in terms of, sure. of characters and, and creative people and whatnot, but also creative partnerships, people who have worked together on a number of projects to, uh, to various levels of success. And, you know, there's there are some aspects to these relationships that I think we can take away and sit there and go, okay, well, how do we... What makes these what makes these partnerships what makes these relationships tick? And I don't think this is going to be anything where we're offering relationship advice, of course. No, no, but, not. <laughs> but we will have some takeaways here. So do, do not attempt right? to salvage your relationship by listening to us. No. All right. So where do you want to start? Do we want to start with creative teams or we want to start with character, you know, like fiction characters and stuff? Because well, I've got some on, on each each list. Yeah. I mean, because I was we because we, I misunderstood when, when Jason suggested this, I, I kind of misunderstood what he was talking about. He was thinking more fictional characters and I that, immediately that I immediately frequently left frequently happens. But I left <laughs> to um, uh, actual in real life creative partnerships mm -hmm. and and he had mentioned you know in science fiction and horror and i was trying to think to myself okay in you know you you certainly have folks in the industry who work together a lot in terms of like you know you might you're getting these things like uh um 
you know, partnerships between studios and things like that. And, and you know, Blumhouse is, you know, a, a great partner for a lot of folks and, and Jason Blum and things like that. Yeah. But I was, the two that leapt to mind on, on the real world is um, John Carpenter and, and Sandy King. Um, yes. Because, you know, Carpenter, of course, you know, so influential on so many, uh, uh, so much of the horror sphere from the 1980s on in film. And, but he's not just doing that. I mean, he's, of course, well known for being a composer. And if you've never picked up one of his albums, then you definitely should if you're a fan of his movies. But, you know, he and his wife are a creative partnership. Now, he was married to Adrian Barbeau before, um, which I did in divorce. Uh, but she, of course, was a star in, in you know, movies that he made. Um, but, you know, he he stepped away from filmmaking, really, after Ghosts of Mars, which is my least favorite of his films. It's a lot of great opportunity, uh, you know, wasted opportunity, unfortunately. And I'm pixelating over here. I God, see I that. I don't know why, why is it doing that. I not know why it's doing that. It, it may be the rain. It, it could very easily blame it be. on the right, right, right. <laughs> um, but you know he's uh, he's a big fan of video games. He's a big fan of comic books, uh, and Sandy King has been part of his life since the nineteen nineties. She was a producer on In the Mouth of Madness, possibly his, um, you know, possibly one of the greatest Lovecraft adaptations made that isn't actually based on a story by Lovecraft. Um, you know, Big Trouble on Little China. She was the script supervisor. She's been part of his life in, in really... And if if you don't think the script supervisor is not a critical component to a, oh, a film yes. shoot, you've never been on a feature. Um, but they're also co-creators on a comic book series um, called Asylum. And, you know, she runs, um, she runs the comic um, imprint they have. I she, mean, she, so, she runs the whole company now, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's just he's semi-retired. Yeah, he he's old enough to not care what people think, and he's old enough to do what he wants, so he gets to play. And when you consider that, you know, Carpenter has been playing for a long time, and he's been one of those people who's had the opportunity to make, you know, the films he's wanted to make more or less. Yeah. Um, for most of his career. Um, whether they were successfully uh, initially successful or not, but there's a really solid partnership that's been going on for a while, and they've, you know, working with your spouse can be a challenge sometimes, and just because, you know, having having that the ability for one person just to go away in in not a not in a negative way, yeah, is is good uh, sometimes, and it's nice to have that, you know, but. There's this, this is a really solid relationship that has been very fruitful for both of them, um, and Stop and the impact on on you know the creative process for the two of them seems to have been really really strong. Yeah, and it's it kind of flies under the radar because she's not you know you see John Carpenter you don't necessarily and there there are plenty of photos of and and things of the two of them together. It's just that. Horror fans don't necessarily think of they think of John Carpenter, right? You know, and not necessarily thinking of you know John Carpenter and this partner of his who has been really you know part of his life you know and some really impactful uh, on the process. So it's a really nice relationship. Um, 
but oh yeah discovered my sweater has been attacked by cats isn't that lovely <laughs> but it's nice and warm anyway so i don't care um the uh um the other one that popped into my head was uh sam raimi and bruce campbell you know it's not a romantic relationship but these the careers of these two have been you know intertwined and i mean when, if you see a sam raimi film is bruce campbell not far behind right you know is is he not is, is there's a cameo or he's a producer on the project or you know and when you consider how many times he was nearly murdered by sam raimi in the original <laughs> evil dead um you're going to listen to you if you've never heard the commentary the dueling commentary tracks on the first evil dead film where you know raimi's on one track campbell's on the other and they're basically talking they're trash talking each other across the commentaries <laughs> a it's hysterical it's on par with listening to uh um kurt russell and and john carpenter do commentaries for big trouble in little china yeah the yeah. thing those are amazing if you've not heard them um but um, and, and, yeah. and the one on on big trouble in little china has nothing to do with the movie right there's, there's old friends <laughs> so hanging out funny. getting you know having a few yeah. drinks and and there's a movie playing that i'm really not paying attention to yeah <laughs> great but well, yeah i mean this is you know they the the formative film of course is is for both of them was you know the first evil dead and then the sequel the essentially the remake with evil dead 2 both it set them both on these trajectories of being you know um again hugely influential in the horror space um you know campbell campbell is his career has been all over the place in terms of highs and lows as an actor but he's always steadily worked uh -huh. and he's you know he's the kind of person he's got great fan interaction you know he's built up you know he's apparently just fantastic in person and um they just had the bruce campbell um uh, uh i can't remember what we call it we talked about it on on good morning multiverse uh, his big event that he had that you know, basically this this yearly fan oh right 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 get together uh, that he does yeah um, i can't remember the name of it right i can't either but anyway he's you know it's it's one of those things where he's one of those actors who he's never you know become this you know leading man outside of the genre uh, so much uh, as you know, other actors has, but he steadily worked. And and as an actor, that's what you want. You want to be able. He's he's, he's a character actor in many ways who has become a horror star. It's called um, the it, it's called the Bruce-arama. Thank you, yes. thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so it's it's and but that that partnership has worked out really really well because they clearly play off each other well creatively, mm -hmm. and. Um, and because they had built that foundation all those years ago, you know, it was a Campbell's when Campbell's producing things, you look at something like the new evil dead films, um, you know, that Sam Raimi, you know, they, they aren't making, they aren't, they're making the films as producers together, as opposed to being in the film or directing the film. But, you know, they've, they've been able to keep kind of, you know, even though they've let other people play in that space and tell new stories, so many horror creators, you know, in in horror films in these franchises, lose control of their creation and don't have the ability to keep their hand on the storytelling. And 
you know, for for any complaint that you can have about, you know, uh, uh, a science fiction franchise, you know, whether, you know, Star Wars or, or Marvel or whatever, you complain about, you know, this film or that film. Horror fans have been experiencing that since the 80s when it's like, this is a great first film. Why are the 12 sequels so terrible? Well, it's like, <laughs> right. well, there's 12 sequels. Yeah. And, the, and the, you know, it's like the fact that, you know, um, the Hellraiser series is a great example, right? I mean, Barker Barker had control of, you know, complete control over the first one, was a producer on the second one, and then a whole bunch of sequels that had nothing to do with anything, you know, and he came on as a producer for the new one. So, I mean, he had, he had input. Right, right. The creator was involved, which is not necessarily always going to work out, but it, it's better than not no, most of the time. Most of the but. time. Well, and and the other the other side of that too. I mean, we're talking about what producers and and inside on the on the behind the scenes side of things. You look at somebody like Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, who were married for a while. Danny's still his his agent also is the agent I, I think is still the agent for Henry Cavill but you know there there's one of those situations there where you have the quote unquote power couple where she's the she's the negotiator she's the mover and shaker behind the scenes more you know working the deals and making things happen and that might be a good thing might not be a good thing I'm not sure because you know when when Mindy and I are doing stuff <clears throat> we're you know looking at uh, you know, purchasing decisions, how we're going to spend our money where you're managing stuff. And I, t I tell many, you know, you're, you manage the books. I mean, she's, she's a numbers person, Sp spreadsheets and, and Excel, you know, Excel is her, is her back. Right. And I was like, okay, you, you know, the numbers, you just, that's, I'll, I'll trust you. <coughs> and there are, there are couples where you have one person that manages the books and mm -hmm. one person that does other things that, you know, they all contribute to success. And I have to wonder how the dynamic is between those two sometimes because they're not married anymore. They're still, I guess they're still friends and still have a working relationship. But does, does the fact that they're not married anymore change that that partnership dynamic is because now he's her client without being her husband and so what does that do how does that change things for them and and, and it i mean it has on, me on a, wondering on a purely intellectual level and again I, I don't know them i can't speak to whatever their dynamic is and hopefully it's healthy for them but to me it would be maybe potentially better um to be you know not a couple when when one someone's an agent because you know the agent the agent makes money when you make money mm -hmm. and <clears throat> while money is not necessarily the root of all evil um money can actually be a significant problem in relationships oh I mean, yeah. And yeah I can. so i think that i i, I and again you know, I, I wish them nothing but you know, a great working relationship, um, and I hope it. I hope it's you know something they're both happy with. But that seems like it would be you know maybe easier and less less fraught 
um, to do it and to have that relationship when, when you're when you're not together. And I mean, cause certainly, you know, there's if you love somebody, then you know, you're going to do your best. You're going to do your best to, to, you know, get them the work when you're their agent. But you should be doing that when you're their agent. Anyway. Yeah. No. And, you know, the um, emotional entanglements in the job can be. You know, for all, for all the for all the pros and and the support that you can get sometimes. You know, yeah. But no, I mean it's it's worked out so well. I mean, you know, overall his his career has done pretty well. Yeah, for the most part, I would say so. You know, he's he's not hurting for cash. No. Her cut is probably a healthy one, and uh, you know, but there's another Fast and Furious movie coming out. Isn't he going to be yeah, in that? I one don't. Day? I don't think he's in that one though. Oh, okay. No. <clears throat> No, because the Hobbs and Shaw spinoffs apparently didn't do very well, and and I think Johnson and Vin Diesel don't get along. So yeah, that's, that's true. I've heard yeah, they don't. Well, right. and and just watching the trailer, I haven't seen the film. Um, I, I've seen exactly one Fast and Furious movie. I haven't seen any um, of them. I saw the very first one, and if you ever want to sit there and and ponder how long a series has been going on. Um, go back and you know just just read the plot synopsis. Go to Wikipedia, <laughs> read the plot synopsis for the first Fast and Furious film, and sit there and go, "Wait, what?" So hmm. you you missed the one where they took a car into space. Oh, I saw the trailer. And, I, I, I didn't miss it. You missed the one where they fought submarines. Apparently, I, I haven't I, seen I saw any of these for that I, one too. Yeah, like, um, uh, no, the Hobbs and Shaw one. Um, Apparently, they decided they wanted to make a Marvel movie based on the trailers. So I'm just like, yeah, okay. Idris Elba was a supervillain, right? Which I, yeah, hey, if you can cast Idris Elba as a supervillain, you do that. Yes, absolutely, because he's 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 fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, it's, um, and I mean, the laws of physics went out the window with the Fast and the Furious films a long time ago, so it <laughs> shouldn't be that much of a stretch, right? But, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, they are science fiction films. We just don't cover them. We well see, and and we probably should if if they're actually science. Well, I guess we should watch them and determine. No, I'd say they're, they're probably would they be urban action, fantasy, action fantasy, action, action fantasy, urban action, yeah, fantasy? action fantasy. Yeah, urban fantasy is a little more street level. In a, yeah, in, um, I mean, yes, so they're racing on the streets. Would it would it I count? Think. Would it count though as fantasy? Would it would it be something that we'd end up having to having to cover? Well, it's definitely fantastic fiction. Yeah. So and and I I don't say that in terms of fantastic as that's fantastic. It's more like, okay, that's just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastical. So from a from a creative standpoint. Uh, who else is out there right now? That's I mean, you've got you've got Phil Lord and Chris Miller, mm. who are doing stuff together, and and that seems to be a fairly productive creative uh, creative team. You've got the Russo brothers, the Wachowskis for a long time, although they're they're, they're, they're on not different paths now, right yeah. now. Um, um, I mean, I I had a flash of another one, and I can't remember now who I was thinking of. Oh, uh, we just and you know what we just talked about them on. Another one we talked about on Good Morning Multiverse, uh, the sisters who oh the Saska sisters yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. you know so I mean, there the, the, there's the the partnerships you get when you've got these uh, friends who do it together and these family members who do it together. Uh, the, another one the the Frazetta girls uh, Sarah and uh, was it Sarah and her daughter 
It's it's a mom. It's mom and daughter. Mm. It's uh, it's Frank Frazetta's. I think Frank Frazetta's wife and daughter, mm. or daughter and granddaughter. I can't remember now. I think wife and daughter, but they they run the Frazetta estate in in different things, and they've got stuff that they're going to be rolling out this year. I'm excited to see what they do. Well, what uh, what Brianna? <clears throat> is it Brianna? Oh no, I think it's Brianna Pratchett, Terry Pratchett's daughter, mm-hmm. who, um. You know, she wasn't really, she was involved with the Discworld series um, less, uh, he had a he had a, a long-time assistant who was basically his go-to person for the main, you know, uh, help with Discworld. And, and yeah. at the end, when, when Pratchett's uh, dementia was getting in the way, that assistant really helped him, I can't remember his name, um, get the... Uh, so much of the final works together, but she picked up, you know, because they were, you know, a really close father and daughter. She has been the standard bearer for the the Pratchett estate and these new versions of things we're getting from yeah. to carry on Terry's legacy. We but should a probably, lot of that was... we should probably do a top, do a night one time sometime when we, t- when we take a look at the, next generation people mm. you know because people like you know brianna pratchett brian herbert rihanna uh, rihanna, pratchett, rihanna pratchett brian herbert um todd todd and georgie mccaffrey yeah because there are there are a lot of them out there now where where people are you know your your legacy creative teams mm-hmm. you know spider robinson finished a robert heinlein book you've got uh, you've got the frazetta girls taking on and and working on with his estate on some stuff, you know. There's there's a lot of that. I think we could. You know, M. M. Night Shyamalan's uh, daughter is mm-hmm. going to be making her feature directing debut here with this new project they're working on. So there's uh, you know, Mika Burton, you know, Lavar Burton's daughter is sure, in right. Star Trek Picard. So I think there's I think there's there's uh, there's yeah. enough material to mine there. We should we should circle to that one again. Yes, we should. All right, let's tr- let's turn our attention to some fiction power couples. So, you know, interestingly enough, on the horror side of things, there aren't that many fiction power couples in... Now, I say that, but there is the Twilight series. But we're not going to go into that. It's not horror. I mean, I mean it's sparkly vampires, guys. Yeah. It's not horror. But in, on the comic book side of things, and we're getting a new Swamp Thing movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Abby Holland um, in the comics, of course, another thing that came out of uh, let's see, Abby wasn't a creation of Alan Moore's. Uh, she predated that. Uh, she, uh, Abby was Abby Arcane when they met. Her uh, uncle is Anton Arcane, who was one of the long-running villains in the uh, in Swamp Thing. Um, died a significant number of times has gone to hell a significant number of times has escaped from hell an awful lot no. uh, and is very murdery but uh abby you know the swamp thing is this giant swamp creature you know he's made of plants um abby is not she's a very human uh, person um but their you know their love affair in the comics has been was something that went on for decades and um surprisingly healthy and surprisingly wholesome most of the time in the middle of this horror comic um 
I'm very curious to see what they do. And of course, if you've seen, well, if you've seen the uh, the the Swamp Thing movies, the that we got oh so many years ago, Adrian Barbeau played um, uh, the love interest of was it the first film? Yeah, she was in the first, was the first one. one. She was the first one. Um, but you know, Abby Arcane is an interesting character because she is. Um, she's kind of a gateway character for the, this whole potential here is that because you, her interactions with John Constantine are very adversarial because Constantine shows up and keeps taking her husband off because she and Swamp Thing eventually get married, keeps t- dragging her husband off to like these horrible situations where he could die terribly. And so she's, <laughs> you know, not the biggest fan of John's, but John rubs people the wrong way. Yeah. A lot. Um, but see, Adrian, a- Adrian Barbeau didn't play Abby Arcane. Right, she played a different character. Heather uh, Locklear played, played Abby Arcane in right. Return of Swamp Thing. And and I, as much as I enjoy those films for being kind of cheesy fun, um, she doesn't make a great Abby Arcane. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but I, it, it's it, it's interesting to see what they'll do with the with the, this film because she's a character that could be could be a, a very strong recurring character if they plan to make more than you know if, if they're looking at multiple Swamp Thing films. You know, building up the relationship, having Anton as a recurring uh, antagonist. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do. And the, the relationship is really interesting. I was reading those comics, um, and this was really... Alan Moore really drove this from the... Uh, now, it, it preceded the anatomy lesson, their relationship, but he really pushed it in, in some really strong directions. Um, and... It's a, it's a real, if, if it's handled well, it's a really powerful relationship. Um, unfortunately for a lot of horror titles, um, the death of the person you love is often um, the end result of, of a lot of plots, um, unfortunately. Um, but there, you know, if, if you, on the Walking Dead side of things, you know, which of course, however you feel about the show, the comic book was very impactful and 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 revitalized zombies in in comics. Yeah, uh, and the TV show did, you know, had a huge impact on that as well. And you know, uh, Glenn and Maggie, both in the comic and on the TV show, even though it ends well, it, it's horror again. It, things end tragically, right? Um, you know, it's. The relationship worked so well that they lost viewers when Glenn died canonically as he did in the comic. And people were like, that's too much. I'm out. Yep. I mean, you, there's, there's a, there's a cliff for viewership that actually happened for that show because this relationship was actually really, really popular with the viewing audience as it had been in the comics, which is which is, and it a shows you it shows you just how much the 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 viewing audience, the television audience, or the film audience does not correspond to the people reading the books. Well, in fairness to the Walking Dead comic, um, it was also a, you know a, a relatively small publishing run i mean yeah. it, it wasn't it was this wasn't one of the big two this was i can't can't remember which, which comic company it was but it was it was a, it was popular but it was not like super high profile i think image um, had it didn't they i can't remember um if you if you're interested there is a 
color version that was originally done in black and white. And there's a color version out now. Um, there's also the Walking Dead Deluxe, um, which um, has uh, Rick from the comic Fighting Aliens with a lightsaber. And not making that up. It's a thing. Because yeah. in the original, the original idea was that um, the zombie apocalypse had been caused by something from the stars. I mean, it yeah. was not an alien invasion, but it was like, you know, something that came in on, on a meteorite. Right. So that was, and then, and then Kirkman was like, it's better if I just don't explain it. It doesn't, we don't need an explanation. It's just, right. it's, it's zombies guys. Just, you know, go with it. Um, so when he's doing this, this follow-up, this, this sort of crazy series he's doing right now, it's, yeah, sure. It's actual alien invasion with zombies <laughs> <clears throat> and and cyborgs and Rick's got a lightsaber and it's just nuts. Yeah, yeah. And MS converts. It was the image that uh, and, that yeah, publishes yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the the horror comics again. It's just uh, relationships, unfortunately, don't don't last particularly well. I mean, you can. Um... I, there is. There are, there are a couple of couples in horror that have lasted for a very, very, very long time. Herman and Lily Munster, and Gomez and Morticia Adams. Now, in fairness, that's not that scary. Um, although I did see, I did see, because um, you know, we we talk about this stuff. It's like you look at other people's lists. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a list. It's like um, healthiest horror couples, and I'm looking at it going. <laughs> on this list, uh, the 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 comic book series Preacher by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. Um, there actually is a healthy relationship at the center of that between uh, two of the main characters, but they list. Um, you froze up this, there for a second. They list what? The 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 saint of killers and his wife. And if you've never read Preacher, um, first of all, his wife is dead, <laughs> and he's a psychotic who cannot be killed, who actually invades heaven. Yeah, um, I'm like this. This is not a healthy relationship. She, okay, this. This list is automatically suspect. very suspect because yeah. I'm like, what is your idea of a healthy relationship? See, and that's that's what gets me when so many people are looking at the, the relationship between Joker and Harley, and and I'm like, no, this is not this is not a healthy relationship at all. You don't want to have a relationship like that. It's abusive and terrible. Well, so Harley ended up in in my desk is. Yes, I see that. Very wobbly. That's new. Uh, to check and see if something's off angle. Um, of course, there's her relationship with Poison Ivy, which is, has been uh, much, much healthier. But if you go into... Um, 
Except the, we have to we have to admit we have to acknowledge that the relationship between Harley and Ivy is fan shipping, and somebody just decided to go ahead and do it, even though it doesn't make a lick of sense to to to, to go in and do it. But uh, anyway, it's been going on for twenty years, so uh, it's not yeah. it's way past fan shipping at this point. Uh, still, but, I mean, you don't have to like it, but a lot of people do, including myself. So, I mean, it's it's healthier than a lot of relationships in fiction. Um, and as someone, you know, with, you know, gay friends and a queer kid, I'm happy to see relationships like that because they're in my world. Oh, well, so, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm just, it's, it's, we have to, we have to remember where it came from, I guess. So, well, but I mean, again, it's 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not shipping at this point. It's, it's canon. Um, but there's there's also the relationship they actually um the white knight relation the white knight series mm. which is sort of an elseworlds um where joker goes sane yeah and and among other things and harley and bruce wayne actually end up together um in a surprisingly well written because I mean, Bruce Wayne's relationships, <laughs> right? Um, and and you know, but the, the, I, I thought I thought they actually wrote that pretty well. But I mean, Bruce Wayne is a, is a, an example too. I mean, he's got you know this this long running relationship with Catwoman, this opposites tracked, this you know, um, cop versus criminal, yeah, you know, thing. But he's also got the relationship with Talia. Uh, and he's had the relationship with Zatanna and he's had relation. I mean, yeah, it's, and, and the, I'm not talking about the, like the dalliances here and there. I'm talking about the like serious relationships. Right. Um, and I mean, but having Batman in a long going serious relationship is kind of like having Peter Parker in a long going serious relationship, according to, to, you know, the publishers can't have that. Um, <laughs> I mean, although Peter and Peter and MJ are are a good couple, they they were they were good together. They are well, and interestingly enough, for all the fact that Peter Parker was written as this you know geeky um, nerd loser, uh, he actually had, he's actually had solid relationships. Gwen Stacy, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, admittedly, you know, Gwen Stacy is another example of I've lost a loved one, uh, so I must. You know, rededicate myself to the pursuit of justice. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's Peter Parker and MJ work better together than when they are not. And I wish Marvel would stop mucking with that because <laughs> um, they keep doing it in the comics. And it's, yeah. and frankly, um, I don't. I don't ever see the creative teams on the comics being the ones who are saying, yes, we wanted to do this. It always seems to be something from on high. Yeah, it's an editorial decision. And and I think a lot of... Uh, it's okay to let your fictional characters be happy. It, it doesn't mean you can't have conflict. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't tell cool stories if they're in a relationship clark kent married lois lane yes and and that that particular one 
that 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 one is you have two different kinds of relationships there with Superman and Lois Lane because up until Crisis on Infinite Earths and then the reboot from John Byrne, there was Superman and Lois, and it was mm. Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane, and the relationship that she had was with the superhero, right? She was in love with Super a Superman. And after John Byrne did the reboot and they came back and relaunched everything, uh, it was Lois and Clark had the relationship. And up until the point where, you know, they got engaged, she didn't know. I mean, yeah, there's this, this silly infatuation with Superman and whatnot, but she, she developed this really meaningful, solid relationship with Clark. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know... We're about to get married. I should probably tell you something. And <laughs> oh man, sorry about that. <clears throat> and after that, you know, the the dynamic changed a little bit, <clears throat> but not so much. It was still, you know, I it's still Clark, mm-hmm. and Clark just happens to have another job that he does. And he puts on a cape and he goes and he, you know, busts an asteroid out of the out of out of, out of the path of the planet or whatever. Oh, it's just another day. You know, it, the way <laughs> the way it was written, you know, her ability to just kind of roll with it and and adapt. And, you know, all these years later now we've got Clark and Lois and we have, you know, they've got a kid with Jonathan and, and all of that stuff. It shows that you can, like you're saying, you can have those relationships in the comics and still move forward with some interesting stories and some different things to do. Mm-hmm. Although New 52 put a big hiccup in the middle of all of that. Right. But yeah, they're back. Yeah. Well, and I think that one of the things the writers have done really well with Lois Lane since Crisis is they have kept making her. Because, I mean, even though she had her own comic series at various points before you know, early on there's Lois, Lois Lane used to have a regular comic book series. Yep. Um, and um, she is, she is, they've really kind of gone into the fact that she is an award-winning journalist. She's smart. Yeah. Pulitzer prize winning. And so they've actually put her up against, you know, they've had her go up one-on-one against Lex Luthor in the comics and win. And it made sense because she's clever yeah. um, and she's a planner. And they had this whole big thing where um, the uh, Leviathan story arcs in the, in the more um, uh, spy like organizations uh, in the DC universe where someone was picking off, you know, checkmate and spiral and all these different groups were being attacked from an exterior threat. And the investigative team that went in to try and figure that out was kind of more of the detective level mm-hmm. DC stars. Lois Lane led that team. She was the one going, right. Cause she's an investigative journalist. She puts the pieces together. Yeah. And so, I mean, they've, they've done a really good job of giving her her own life. She's not just Superman's girlfriend. She's not just Superman's wife. Yeah. She's Lois Lane, intrepid journalist. And, Clark Kent, who happens to also be an intrepid journalist. Oh, and, and Superman. Yeah. How, who do you think they're going to get to play her whenever they get around to to? I, you know, legacy? I have no clue. I'm really interested to see whoever they whoever they pick to play 
Clark, Superman. Yeah. Um, I got to say, uh, 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 Tyler Hecklin and Bitsy Tillich over on Superman and Lois are doing a really good job together. They they have a really good chemistry. Yeah, and I think that again we're looking at you know they're they're letting Lois Lane be not just the girlfriend, right? Yeah. And I think that that's a for a good chunk of the Silver Age. That's how she was writ- written. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's I mean that was part of just how stories were being told then. But um, you know this recognizing that these characters are more interesting when you let them have their own lives yeah. and be you know their their own. Characters well, with death, as although, opposed to essentially being the, the, the sidekick. Even even if even those stories were Superman, where Lois was just the Superman's girlfriend, probably was a healthier relationship than than Supergirl and the horse. So you know, oh, that's just <laughs> creepy. That was that was that was a poor decision all the way around yeah. to just write that. Um, uh, well, I mean, MS is asking, did we talk about Fantastic Four yet? No, we haven't. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Reed and Sue Richards. Um, that's an interesting. That's an interesting couple right there because of the dynamic between them. Because it's not always been sunshine and roses, depending on who's writing the writing the books. Well, and when you consider that that. Very early on, I mean, we've got a girl on the team who's kind of like, how <laughs> the early, I mean, you go back to the early, and again, it was the writing of the time. Um, you know, Sue Storm has, has developed into a very uh, well-rounded character. We're going to try and forget Malice, that whole sub, that whole storyline uh, where she went evil. Um, but to some degree, th- the fact that Reed Richards is even successful at all is because of Sue. Yeah. Because in the comics, Reed can get lost in the work, lost in the science. And she's the person who draws him out and makes him care about the world around him as opposed to what's underneath his microscope, which makes him a hero when he gets out. And when he, when he, cause he does care. He just, Tunnel visions right into the thing. She's the one who helps draw him out. Um, And turns out, interestingly enough, she's one of those powerful characters in the Marvel, you know, in in the... um, She's up there. Uh, Because force fields, she knows how to use them. And um, she's she's pretty... they've, They've done a lot in the last 15 years or so maybe a little longer um well no or longer than that a couple, a couple decades now where they've really looked at her and said you know she's incredibly powerful um and and allowing that character to, to be that and i'm currently the the fantastic four series that's running um they have something happened and the baxter building is gone and the Fantastic Four is broken up, yeah. um, but she and Reed just had a trip to a diner in a small town, and <laughs> things happened. Um, but it's it, again, it's their dynamic is really nice, and I think that that's. I want to pick it's... up Alex Ross's book. <clears throat> I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to take a look at that. I think that that has me curious because there's a lot of. I see a lot of Kirby in that. And the oh, artwork. Yeah. He's 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 really paying homage to Kirby in that. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean... Let me say hi uh, in the chat to uh, Jamie G and Keely joining us. Keely says, uh, one of the most unlikely superheroic power couples is Buffy and Angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it is especially if you don't read the comics that followed it. Mm-hmm. They went places. <laughs> I mean, and, and hey, if you enjoyed those comics, that's fantastic. I, I, yeah. It's it's another one where I'm like, I was the show came to an end, and that was fine. Um, yeah, Star Trek doesn't have um, couples the way that some some science well, fiction series will. I mean, it's Star Trek. <clears throat> Star Trek has a different character dynamic because star trek has a trinity like like dc comics has you know superman batman wonder woman star trek has kirk spock mccoy and that particular dynamic and kirk, they even talk about it in star trek 5 you know other people have families and, and and kirk's like other people do not us and the the friendship they have the brotherhood that they have with each other has become such uh, such a close knit thing that you know there there's work and then there's I'm spending time I'm spending time with my family this is this is their family their found family I guess you could mm-hmm. say and you know I'm <coughs> you know when Kirk says you know when Kirk considers Spock a brother you know that's that's a very close uh, close friendship that yeah. yeah they've they've had. You know, there there have been couples. I mean, Kirk's fallen for Edith Keeler, and you've got Carol Marcus in there, but not front and center relationship thing. But though, but that's not that kind of story that Star Trek tells. Right, right. and it's it, and it's it's carried on in in your uh you know, in the following series. I mean, Next Generation, same thing. Uh, Deep Space Nine was there was a lot of stuff about family. Yeah. In Deep Space Nine, there was a lot more of a family dynamic. You know, you had well, and Miles O'Brien's had... family. You had you know um, um, Cisco and his son, Cisco yeah. and his father. But when now um, Worf, Worf and Jadzia were a couple. They had right. been married, and then you had you had uh, Odo and Kira, mm-hmm. which come to find out, I'm I'm reading about that they didn't want to do it. Uh, Nana Visitor and, and Rene Abergenois both were telling the writers, this is not a good idea. We don't, this is, we don't want to do this. They resisted and uh, ended up having to do it anyway because they didn't see that, that dynamic in those characters. <coughs> and, uh, but yeah, the, I think Worf and Jadzia was probably the best in terms of a couple, you know, as far as regular characters go. I mean, you mentioned O'Brien and his wife, but Keiko was a, a recurring character, not a mm-hmm. not a series regular. Right. So it was a little bit different there. But yeah, I think those are those are in that uh, in that realm. But it also uh, made a little more sense because they were on a station. Yeah. As opposed to, I mean, it's like the fa- families on on you know the inter- next generation Enterprise never made sense. Well, I mean, you had you had Riker and Deanna. Right, which you still do. Yeah, you know they they're canonically married, which <laughs> is a fairly logical place for them to end up. Mm. Um, and which so you have that, but yeah, I mean, to some degree, Star Trek is it shows about the crew, right? Right. I mean, even it's even if you've got the Trinity, stories. it's it's the Trin it's it's those three and the crew. In Star Generation, it's the crew. So you can have these interpersonal relationships, these romances that take place. 
but the overarching story is about a group of people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, for, well, I think one of the downsides of a show like Picard is that while you might want to tell the story of one character's years after, right? It kind of works best when it's a dynamic of a crew. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and that's, you know, Hey, you try things, they work, they don't. Um, so, which I think, you know, fans are so excited about the new season because it's bringing that dynamic back, that crew, that, that now, those, in, now, those relationships. Voyager had Neelix and Kess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was a, that was a couple. Thing that happened. That was the thing that happened. So, I mean, it, it was, uh, it, there, it, there were a couple. Right, no, and and I, but I just it, 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 some relationships just are on paper they might work, and because we're dealing with aliens, you're dealing, they aren't humans. Yeah, um, but it just never quite gelled, and of course, I think they just handled Kess poorly all the way around. Well, I I I have to wonder how much of that was the stuff that was going on in Jennifer Lean's personal life. I'm, I'm sure there was definitely and, an impact. And how much that changed things too. So, because yeah. Jennifer Lean has not had a, not had a good, good time of it. Right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> on the book side of things, I can think of, of honor Harrington and Paul Tankersley in the, in the Harrington in the, in the honor verse, uh, MS Spock and Ohura. no, there, no. there is there in in one of the universes. No. Sure, okay, May, um, uh, fine, whatever. But yeah, no. <laughs> Although I, I can see, I can see where, I can see where Abrams wanted to do that because there are hints of it, little teeny slivers of clues of maybe potentially kind of sort of not really, but okay things in the original series there's more hints of of scotty and ahura in the movies yeah which i wasn't particularly thrilled with either um but because i it just that didn't feel particularly i i don't have an issue with any of these characters having relationships with each other yeah it just seems like in both that case and in the Abrams films, it was kind of out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I mean, if if you want to have a relationship between those characters, give me a little more build up. I'm not saying you know, I'm not saying there's anything you got to earn it. with those. Yeah, yeah, especially when you characters who've been around or as iconic as those characters. I mean, do a, do a little bit more than just tell me that. This is now a thing. Okay, yeah. but let let me see the development. Let me. I don't want the prequel. I just want to. Yeah. Connect <laughs> connect the dots for me, man. That's yeah. all I want. You know. Keely mentions. I, I may agree with you. Yeah, Keely mentions Green Lantern and Hot Girl from ju- uh, the animated Justice League. That that was a pretty solid relationship. Yeah, and I think that 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 was something that I did not necessarily see coming when I was originally, you know, started watching that, but I, I liked that. I, I mm-hmm. thought it worked well. Uh, that was also a period where you didn't have Hawkman. Yeah. Um, because Hawkman's continuity was a, 
mess. Um, <laughs> and 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 yeah, actually, Hawkman and and Hawkgirl, their whole dynamic, especially in once once they decided they were going to like, okay, we're just going to fix Hawkman Hawkman's continuity and tell you, guess what, folks, it's a mess. Um, that dynamic, because here's a couple who are reincarnated again and again and again and find each other only to ultimately end up dying yeah, uh, because of, of the villain who haunts them throughout their, all their lives. And in one of the most recent versions, she wasn't in love with him. And he's like, you know, he's in love with her, but she's like, I don't want a relationship with you. Um, and it could throw off their dynamic, but it made for some really interesting the two of them playing off each other with trying to reconcile the fact that, you know, you know, he's, he recognizes she doesn't want to be with him. And she recognizes that this is somebody who can't help but love her. It's, it was, it was some fast uh, justice society. Okay. Um, and uh, I guess it went on to say it was a, one of the James Robinson runs. Mm. Um, uh, pre, pre new 52, not, yeah. not the yeah. earth to justice thing, but um, so yeah, I mean, there's been some interesting stuff going on with that. Um, and, um, and the, uh, oh. in the book side of things on, in, on the horror side, um, well, horror science fiction, you can get into a, a few things, but most of that stuff ends up again, there's a whole lot of loved ones dying terribly on the horror <laughs> the yeah. horror side of things it's very i mean if you're if you're a dean Koontz character um statistically speaking in the course of a novel you will f you will meet the person who you will fall in love with terrible things will happen to both of you but by the end you'll have triumphed and have a dog um <laughs> which is not necessarily a bad thing i mean yeah. you know there's dean Koontz is, is definitely uh um got a bit of a formula it's okay yeah. um but like you know if you're a clive barker character you're you're just screwed the first uh the first dragon riders books uh the first trilogy especially mm. um there is the bronze dragon rider falar and his mate lessa gold dragon rider and they have a pretty good a very solid relationship um they're a they're a, they're a good couple to look at and so there you go oh hey because because they're they're this is another couple where they're actually working together because they're in charge of all the dragon riders it's like mm -hmm. they're you know not just not just in charge of <clears throat> the dragon riders as a family like patriarch you know they're the head of the household type of thing in the wear. Mm -hmm. But also the military commanders. I mean, they're 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 in charge of everything. You know, the, both the both the civilian life and the military life, as far as you know, fighting threat and defending the planet and all of that. And it's right. interesting to see them work together and work with and and against other people in order to preserve their way of life and and save the planet and and protect people. So it's it they're, they're that's a good couple as well. Well, circling back around to Terry Pratchett in the Discworld books, um, at the core of the Watch series, mm -hmm. um, and we're getting new versions of that in live action coming from the Pratchett estate, um, as opposed to the TV. 
the TV series with the which was an interesting experiment, but not Terry Pratchett. Um, uh, Sam Vimes and and uh, Sybil, his wife. Um, she is old school money. She's city aristocracy. Mm-hmm. He's a ex alcoholic beat beat cop, um, and who, you know, she sees him and recognizes this good man who is, uh, um, you know, needs some needs someone to believe in him, yeah. and he basically finds the, the 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 relationship that he never knew he needed. And both of them are in their both of them are in later life. They're in their fifties when they meet. Yeah. Uh, you know? M- MS is asking who's making a live action Discworld. The watch so was the watch was made by was it was that BBC? That was a BBC thing. Um, and and it is an in, like I said, it's in, it's interesting. It, think of it as a as a Discworld Elseworld. <laughs> um, it's and the shame of it is is that the guy they cast for Vimes is perfect. Yeah. He, he, but uh, so the, the 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 live action Discworld projects that are in development are um, Terry's daughter, um, uh, Rihanna, and I can't I still can't remember the name of his uh, longtime assistant who is working. With, the two of them are working together. They're close friends. Um, but the dis the the Watch series was licensed prior to that. Um, they are putting out. They're currently putting out new audiobook versions of the Discworld books with people like um, uh, Peter Serafinowicz and um, 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 oh goodness, Bill Nye. Um, there, yeah, it's it's. There's some pretty heavy hitters in terms of vocal work coming in to work on these so and they're basically going through the entire catalog of the books and recording new versions um which is both good and bad because the the voice work on on the earlier editions of the disc world series is fantastic mm-hmm. um but these are more you know multi multi actor performances not quite full cast um but folks who are definitely doing um um the main characters voices so it's i'm really excited about that but so you've got that relationship you've got the relationship between carrot and angela um uh, the platonic unless it's fan fiction there's a lot of fan fiction out there there's always a lot of fan fiction uh, between vimes and the patrician um but yeah there's there's uh, it's easy to forget because people tend to think of pratchett as you know comic fantasy but it's easy to forget just how deft he was at writing really deep characters and putting them in in funny situations yeah um and uh curse you pratchett you've made me think again um which was his whole thing <laughs> was you know he he was he was very angry according to Neil Gaiman. Uh Terry Terry was angry at a lot of things um and he channeled that into a lot of funny things. So. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a bit of a good list. A little bit and we have, there's a lot more obviously. Um but yeah, I mean, mm. I think that there's the good news is is that there are some nice, healthy relationships in genre fiction, yeah. and 
a lot of stuff for people to discover. And we will let you all give us your suggestions as well, because you can yes. leave comments and send us an email, h2o at sci-fi com. Let us know what couples are out there that you would like to make us uh, uh, aware of. Uh, Sci-Fi Snobs finally make it into an H2O podcast. Welcome, sir. Good to have you. Just as we're wrapping things up, uh, so you go back to the beginning and hit replay and, and catch up and, and, and still be with us. So, uh, good to have all of you in the chat this evening. Hopefully, yes. uh, this is, this is, you know, we're not in the studio, but we still have some pretty good conversations, I think, every now and again, so. <clears throat> all right. And uh, next week, I think we'll try to uh, we'll try to have our, our topics decided a little bit further out than than an hour and a half from when we do right. this Right. Not, so. not the uh, not the first time uh, uh, no. or the last time. I'm afraid that will happen. And no. and if if all goes well, I shouldn't have to do any weird recording stuff in, in the evening. Um, so I'll be back in the studio. So fingers crossed. All right, and uh, the other thing too is we have uh, we have now finally um, gotten to our uh, our subscribe star. Well, that's not going to work. I see we haven't we haven't done anything with our subscribe star in so long. I don't have everything set properly, but our subscribe star account is back up and running. If you want to uh, support us that way. Uh, you can also get a membership here on YouTube or here on Odyssey if that's your thing as well. And then, of course, we've got all of the different places on social media where you can connect with us. And uh, the newsletter you can sign up for, the Disc World. No, not the Disc World. The Discord. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's tired. I, I have I've I've got to get some sleep. The Discord server. You can join us over there. Uh, Sci-Fi Snobs says Tim got the new lighting better for the horror stuff. <laughs> so there's your <laughs> there's your horror mood lighting there, sir. There we go. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget live from the bunker weekdays Monday through open line Friday on at 1 p.m. Eastern, and at some point Tim's going to host one of those shows. One of these shows. <clears throat> we got to figure that out. All right, so that's it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here, and we will be back again next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 